Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Internet World, West Alabama, right here in downtown Northport. You're listening to the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. You're watching us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. Maybe listening to us uh, on those on those platforms. You're watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. We're going to have a fun show today. It's a huge, huge week right here around Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. Oh, my goodness, what a weekend it was. Before we get into the week, uh, we'll start with the weekend that was. And before we go back to Alabama's 42-28 to victory over the LSU Tigers, I want to encourage you to subscribe to other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcasts. We've got our friends. Blue Collar Unplugged, Matthew Gibson, Blake Byler, and Jacob Pickle bringing you all things Alabama basketball related. And yeah, so we want to get basketball season started right by subscribing to Blue Collar Unplugged. All right, you guys know what we're here for on a Monday. You guys know what we're here for on a Monday. We're talking Alabama LSU Victory Monday. Hope everybody's got their, uh, enjoyed their, you know, enjoy, enjoyed their Sunday, their 24-hour rule. We will break down the game, and we will set up this weekend's game with Kentucky. We'll talk about the two basketball events that are happening tonight over at Coleman Coliseum. And that's going to be the game plan for the afternoon right here on the Joe Gaither Show. You, you can always connect with us at Joe Gaither 6 on any and all the social media machines. All right, we were in Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday night, 42-28. to 28, The tide rolls over LSU. Had the pleasure to be there for BamaCentral.com along with Katie Wyndham, Austin Hannon, Blake Byler, and Chris Walsh. We had a lot of fun up in the press box watching the game and uh, really seeing how it all came down. And look... It was a back-and-forth affair on Saturday night. First off, got to give a lot of credit to the crowd. The crowd was into it from the very, very beginning. I was very impressed. I know you've heard me on several Mondays already this year, maybe lamenting how well the crowd was. No, no, no. The crowd came to play on Saturday night and did their part to contribute to the win. As I mess with – yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, did their part to contribute to the win. Um it was loud in there. It was as loud as it's been in there uh, at least all year long, probably. Uh, it's been, it was it was loud in there, um, pr- probably as loud as, it, as I can remember. When I got down onto the field with, what, six minutes, eight minutes left to go in the game, you could feel the energy still in the crowd. The game was kind of determined at that point. It's still at 42-28. But even with LSU going back out onto the field uh, with, with the old Nussmeyer out of quarterback, the crowd was still into it and loud. The Dixieland Delight was as loud as it could have been. The atmosphere was off the jump right off the very, very beginning. Uh, they, they did a great job on Saturday night. The Bama fans give them a huge, huge, uh, huge, the huge kind of pat on the back for their efforts being into the game. And and they, you know, Alabama needed them. Alabama needed the crowd to be into the game. Uh, so let's just break down the game. All right. So. Uh, you want to start offense or defense? Let's start. Let's start with offense. Let's start from the very beginning. Alabama gets the ball. Uh, and gets the ball. Goes and has you know a, a good first run. Goes and has a, 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 a an incomplete pass. Uh, and then they complete the first third down. They complete their first third down and pass to CJ Dupree. Uh, then they get back into a third down and punt, a, uh, giving up the only sack of the game. 
So, yeah, you you have the typical Alabama first drive where Alabama's offense looks like, oh, not so good. We've got to figure this thing out. And they give up the patented first drive sack uh, that results in a punt. And from there, I was up in the press box thinking, oh, my gosh, if that continues the rest of the night, you're going to have some problems. You're going to have some issues keeping up with this LSU offense. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the LSU offense. They were quite. Uh, quite dangerous throughout the the whole evening. Uh, you, you, you're thankful from the Alabama perspective for, to uh, get a, a stop on fourth down on drive number uh, what? Yeah, drive number two. Malachi Moore gets his hand in there on a fourth and one. What a perfect perfect play for for Malachi Moore. You ended up getting a, a field goal miss on LSU's third drive. Then LSU goes three drives in a row, scoring touchdowns. Uh, and then from that point. Really, Alabama's off. Alabama's defense settled in. So, from the offensive perspective, going back to the very first drive, you go six plays and you get get your uh, get your ten yards, and from there you're punting. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, 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 to see, you know, you don't want to have uh, missed opportunities, especially against this offense. Uh, from for, for basically the rest of the game. The rest of the game, I was pretty impressed with Alabama's uh, with Alabama's efforts on offense. Now, uh, going into the week, I, I, you guys will remember me talking on the show. I was thinking about uh, I predicted what did I pick? Thirty four twenty eight was what was my Friday prediction. But I was very concerned with Alabama's inability uh, to stay on the field offensively. Just what we've seen throughout the year with the USF, what we've seen this year with Texas, what we've seen this year with Arkansas. Just some of the opponents, uh, you know, some of the Worse, lesser defensive opponents that Alabama's faced, uh, the Tide offense still has not really pl- uh, put on a consistent performance. Well, they did on Saturday night. 42 points ended up with uh, touchdown drives on what? Six touchdowns? That's seven touchdown drives. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six. Yeah, one, two, three. Four, five, six touchdowns. Yeah, thank you. I was uh, making sure I had my had my, my my stats correct. Reading here on Stat Broadcast, the Tide. You know, I was impressed with Tommy Reese's game plan. Basically, I thought this game is going to come down to how Tommy Reese wants to attack this LSU secondary, this LSU defense. And really, uh, through parts of the game, Katie Wendham might confirm. Uh, my man Clint Lamb to the other side might confirm. The Alabama took a lot of shots down the field. Took a lot of shots down the field. I mean, right off, even right there in that second drive, you took a lot of shots down the field and put yourself into kind of third and uh, third and medium, third and long uh, situations. Jalen Milrow was just an animal. Jalen Milrow was just uh, incredible. So, okay, for second play of the game, second play of the game, Jalen Milrow throws deep left to uh, Jermaine Burton and misses him. And I'm thinking to myself, Tommy Reese, why are you dialing up some of these deep shots? Why are you dialing up all this uh, action going down the field? Well, uh, even though I didn't didn't disagree with or didn't agree with that throughout the whole game, uh, it turned out that really the deep shots – down the field really made the secondary respect the Alabama receivers and opened up a lot of things, opened up a lot of underneath places for Jalen Milrow to scramble and run. Yeah, you have the incompletion on the first drive, and uh, Jalen Milrow ends up going 15 of 23 on the day for 219 yards, and people are like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, But what was more special was he ran the football like like an absolute uh, stud. He was he was 20 rushes, 155 yards, four touchdowns, became the first Alabama quarterback to rush for four touchdowns in a game. 
and Tommy Reese really dialed up to set the running game up very, very well. Yeah, you have the deep shot misses that sometimes ended up putting the offense behind. Obviously, LSU uh, responded to Alabama's first drive, uh, you know, punt to with the first drive touchdown. And I thought, okay, well, the pressure is on Alabama right here to respond to the first touchdown. Don't don't get down into a two-score hole. Don't punt it away and get into a two-score hole. And the Tide never did, which was impressive throughout the uh, throughout the evening. Uh, Alabama responds with a uh, shotgun pass, very uh, a short pass that Kendrick Law turned and ran, and then Jam Miller rushed for four yards. Jalen Milrow rushed for 11. Uh, then he, he hit Kobe Prince's for a 22-yarder, and boom, 23-yard rush, and Alabama is right back in the uh, right back in the game, uh, 7-7. He ended up getting the stop, uh, and they ended up taking up 21-14 lead. Uh, and goodness gracious, probably the worst, the worst drive for the Alabama defense was the last drive of the uh, last drive of the first half. Golly, how infuriating was the last drive of the first half from an Alabama defensive perspective. You ended up with uh, getting you, you ended up forcing Jaden Daniels into a third and long that he busted for forty yards. Dallas Turner had it in the grass. Dallas Turner, such a uh, pivotal, so important. Dallas Turner made so many game changing plays and was involved in so many game changing plays. If Dallas Turner takes uh, down takes down Jaden Daniels on that third and nine uh, on the last drive of the first half, backed up. LSU's punting, and Alabama's probably taking a knee at 21-14, going into the locker room settled and and happy. But no, Dallas Turner, he escaped Dallas Turner's grasp and ultimately busted a 40-yard scramble. He hit another big old scramble that uh, that ended up with a penalty, a blindside block on Aaron Anderson. Uh, And on first and one with, what, 14 seconds left, he finds Kyron Lacey right over the middle. And our guy, our guy Christian Story, comes over to try to make the tackle slash defend the pass. And Kyron Lacey brushes him right off and walks into the end zone. The worst drive. This Alabama offense, or excuse me, this Alabama defense has given up the entire year. Oh my gosh! I I got up from my halftime position in the in the press box, and I got you know my hot dogs. Thanks so much to Bryant and his staff. They did a great job, as they always do, putting out food and keeping the coffee full and keeping all the snacks on the on the deck. I appreciate them so so much. But I got up disgusted. I got up so frustrated. So I thought to myself, if this was if you're Nick Saban right now, what are you saying? If you're Nick Saban, you're probably peeling paint off the walls. And Terry and Arnold kind of commented that as much that Kevin Steele at halftime, he said, if I repeat what Kevin Steele said at halftime, they're never going to let me do media again. So, yeah, the end of the half drive was absolutely disgusting. And you kind of left you with, with a huge sour taste in your mouth. I commented on my own X machine on my own Twitter at Joe Gaither six that it felt kind of like a shot to the gut, a bullet right to the gut uh, where you were playing very well defensively throughout really the whole the whole half. Obviously, you gave up the two the, 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 the two touchdowns, uh, but you, you gave it the opening drive touchdown. You got a stop on fourth down. You forced them into a missed field goal on your first three drives and you're thinking okay this is fine then of course look LSU their their offense they're not going to you're not going to hold them under 10. Uh, they're they're going to score. They had an eight-play, 70-yard touchdown to make it a uh, 14-21 uh, and, and so 
Ah, just so infuriating. So infuriating. Or 14 14, excuse me. So infuriating. Um, Alabama's offense responded again to go up 21 14, but they left them a minute left on the clock. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, and okay, you get them down there at third and nine with short time left in the half, and Jaden Daniels busted for 40 yards. Just just heartbreaking. Look, he kind of goes back into the drive earlier. You missed with Jalen Key, ended up uh, leaving the game from his safety position. Uh, Coach Saban calling it a leg injury, a quad injury. And today on BamaCentral.com, you can read his update from the Nailerstone Media Room where Katie Wyndham wrote about Deontay Lawson and Jalen Key's injury. Coach Saban calling them day-to-day at the moment. But you replace Jalen Key with Christian Story, and which is fine. Which is, I mean, Christian Story, kid from Lynette, uh, he's been in the program for a long time. But Christian Story ended up you know, missing a lot of tackles. Obviously, the tackle on Kyron Lacey right there, but just – Kind of, I, I don't know. I, I never want to say, say a kid was never is not ready to go because you don't know what they're dealing with, and always you don't know what they're asked to do in game. But he looked like he wasn't quite ready to play winning football. So they came out of halftime and really moved Terry and Arnold into Malachi Moore's spot at the start, replacing Arnold with with Trey Amos, and Malachi Moore moved back to uh, his position, moved back into Jalen Key's position in the safety spot. So Malachi Moore is really your kind of uh, jack of all trades, your kind of Swiss Army nice knife. And yes, Malachi did give up the long touchdown pass to Malik Neighbors on the very first drive of the game, but it was Malachi Moore's hand uh, getting the stop on fourth down on the second drive. I think Malachi Moore. You know, he may not be the best player in the star. He may not be the most athletic player to guard a guy like Malik Neighbors. And we kind of saw that a couple of different times. Uh, he gave up another uh, another reception down the sidelines uh, close to the Bryant, close to our press box area. But I think Malachi Moore's ability to know every position in, in the secondary and play at an acceptable level, at a good, you know, he, he's a good player. He may not be a great player uh, to play at a, at a good level allows you to move Terry and Arnold into the star position and you, you made that play, you made that change in the secondary moving Trey Amos off the bench and into uh, Terry and Arnold's position taking Christian Story off the field. Uh Christian Story going to have to do a little bit more work to uh you know make some of those open field tackles uh and, and make a little bit better decisions in the secondary uh but yeah the end of the drive the end of the end of the half uh for drive for the for the LSU Tigers left an <clears throat> absolute sour taste in your mouth because what you didn't want to do is allow LSU to double up go 14-0 first drive of the or last drive of the first half and first drive of the second half uh, go 14-0 and go up 28 to 21 you you had a 28 21-14 lead you had a 21-14 lead with a minute left in the in halftime, and because of you know that just happens when you kick off, you get the you obviously receive in the second half. But it's important not to allow the other team to double up and go 14-0. Unfortunately, that's exactly what LSU ended up doing. Coming out of the first drive uh, for the, for the second half, they went what nine plays, 75 yards straight down the field, scored a touchdown to go 28-21. All right, so the anxiety was happening in in Brian Day Stadium at that point. You're down seven. You've just given up probably your worst two drives, definitely your worst drive of the season, the last drive of the second half, or the first half, excuse me, the last drive of the first half, going, what, five plays, 75 yards in just a minute. 
really three chunk plays, three big rushes, uh, jumped you up and, and, and kind of broke your will just a little bit going into the locker room. So you've given up the other the next touchdown. You're at 28-21, and what does Alabama end up doing? They run, they, they get their first drive in the second half, and nine plays, 70 yards, all on the ground. It sounds like uh, Tommy Reese maybe got a little bit more of a talking to at halftime. Hagan, hey, hey, man, the running game, they did not stop it. They are not going to stop it. Alabama ends up rushing on the night, uh, what, 6.3 yards per carry throughout the night. Jalen Milrow, uh, he, he ended up going seven. 7.8 yards per carry. Every time he touched the football, he was chunk play after chunk play. And I know Roy Dell Williams gets a little bit of hate, uh, gets a little bit of hate for not being maybe the most talented running back. But Roy Dell, six carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown, 9.3 yards a touch for Roy Dell Williams, Mr. Huey Town High School. The purple go uh, the the pride of the purple gophers up there are just what 45 minutes an hour away from where I'm sitting right now. Roy Dell had himself a great game. Jace had a pretty good game. 14 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. And Jam Miller also getting a lot of touches. The thing about Jason and Jam Miller, they both had one reception apiece. Oh, chunk, chunk play. Jam Miller is one reception right over Harold Perkins for 35 yards right out of the backfield. And then Jace McClellan, his reception was off a total busted play. Uh, the defense is, is seeping in on Jalen Milrow. He keeps his head up and keeps his head down the field. And really, uh, McClellan slips out of the backfield, one catch, 42 yards, and it was just the last-second effort, the last-second find for Jalen Milrow. Look, Jalen Milrow, I know he's not. He, I know he's not. Uh, I know he's not Bryce Young. I know he's not Tua Tungavailoa. I know he's not really even Mac Jones, and he's a little closer to Jalen Hurts. But goodness gracious. He has grown every single week. Every single week, uh, yeah, he missed some deep shots. Uh, he missed some deep shots against LSU, and you obviously wanted to hit some of those deep shots down the field against LSU. But his progression, his ability to, you know, okay, some of these deep shots aren't working. He takes underneath passes to CJ Dupree. He obviously hit both running backs underneath Kendrick Law with a couple of pop passes on the uh, on the edge of the defense. So easy completions. Really, he just allowed what – what did he do? He just did exactly what Nick Saban has been telling him to do the entire season. Be a point guard, young man. Be a point guard, young man. Eight different receivers uh, – eight different receivers – catching passes throughout the night for Jalen Milrow. Uh, yeah, none of it was too over the top. I mean, yeah, Jace McClellan, his 42-yarder, was the longest pass play of the game, uh, and that pass probably traveled about two and a half yards, about two and a half yards, and McClellan did the rest, uh, finding open space. I mean, basically, everybody had run off the secondary, uh, and, and McClellan just did, did his work. So Jalen Milrow, incredible, incredible effort uh, to answer Answer the drive. You go back up 28-28, uh, or excuse me, you, you go back and tie 28-28, uh, and, and from there, you're right there still still in the game. Huge, huge play in the game. Huge play in the game. It came in the third quarter. Let me pull it up on my play sheet. Third quarter, three minutes, uh, second drive, right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jaden Daniels rushes for eight yards, and then they get a first down with a second. So second set of, of plays in the second drive of the game. Jaden Daniels pass. He throws it short to Mason Taylor, tied in underneath, kind of a, it was on a slider play that Caleb Downs came up. Caleb Downs and Malachi Moore came up and made a play, only giving up three yards. Uh, and so the Brian Denny cheered hugely 
after just a three-yard reception. And Katie turned to me and said, oh, look, it's kind of funny. Everybody's cheering uh, when it's only a three-yard play. Instead of, you got to think about it, the last two drives, LSU's ripping off big play after big play after big play, and they've taken the lead. Uh, so you get the three-yard stop, and then, boom, next play, uh, Jaden Daniels does escape, but not after a holding call. And so, bam, LSU is facing second and 17. Second and 17, and you're thinking, okay, here's your chance. Here's your next chance for a defensive stop. The defense really played as well as it could have based on the talent and ability that uh, based on the talent and ability that, that LSU had. So at second and 17, you're thinking this is one of those moments where you can get a stop. Jaden Daniels throws an incomplete pass, and then he finds Mason Taylor underneath, and you, you end up getting off the field. You, you get off the field, and you're thinking, wow, that's a huge win for Alabama's offense. Now, or excuse me, Alabama's defense. Now can Alabama's offense go down and retake the lead? And that's pretty much exactly what they did. Their, their drives in the second half were as efficient uh, as efficient as, as really they, they could have been. Three straight drives out of halftime with touchdowns. They go down and get a touchdown. They're up 20. Uh, they're, they're up uh, 35-28. They're up 35-28. And from there, you've got pressure on Jaden Daniels. Pressure on Jaden Daniels to keep up. Start to keep up just a little bit. You just punted on the last play. And the second drive, second play of the next drive, boom, Dallas Turner again. Dallas Turner again is in on a huge play. Gets his hands up in the air, blocks the uh, tip, tips of Jaden Daniels pass up in the air, and Terry Auto comes behind and gets a huge turn. I mean, look, look at these two. Look at these stats from Jaden Daniels and from Jalen Milrow. Both players pass for exactly – Exactly 219 yards on the day. They're both 15 completions, Daniels with 24 attempts, uh, Milrow with 23 attempts. So basically the exact same passing day. Now, Jaden Daniels, two touchdown passes, one interception. Milrow, no touchdown passes, no interception. The biggest difference is the interception here. Now, people, if you've been on social media for the last day and a half, two days, you've seen all the LSU fans crying about the hit. And we'll talk about the hit here in just a minute. Crying about... Should it have should it have been targeting? We should they should have kicked Dallas Turner out of the game. Dallas Turner's a dirty player. X Y Z A B C. The difference in the game is not the Dallas Turner hit. It's the interception on the drive beforehand. You throw the interception backed up in your own zone. You set Alabama up basically on the 25-yard line. Yes, it was on the 25-yard line. Uh, and three plays later, Alabama's in the end zone again and is up 42-28. You've broken the game open at, at a two-score game. I do think LSU's offense is really damn good. I do think LSU's defense is really bad. And I do think that when Alabama took a two-score game in the uh, in the game, especially with 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 how much time's left in the ball game, you've got right, you're right there at the end of the uh, you're at the beginning of the fourth quarter. You're up at the beginning of the fourth quarter. LSU knows you've got to go down and score and get a stop, which you haven't seen a single second of the single semblance of even slowing them down. You got to score and get a stop and get another score. Yeah, the scoring part's probably easy, but the stops are not. So you feel what I mean? Look, everybody's going to cry about the the uh, the the Dallas Turner hit, and everybody wants to cry about the uh, the horse collar the horse collar. Now the horse collar uh, at the end of the first half didn't matter because LSU scored a touchdown two plays later. Two plays later, LSU's in the end zone, and people want to talk about a miss horse collar a miss horse collar call. 
And granted, I do think that uh, the the officials can always be better. I think they can always be better. But really, your problems are your problems. Uh, lie in turning the football over. Turning the football over when you're backed up in your own zone, uh, especially with such a bad defense, is a, is a huge issue. Alabama scores, goes up 42-28, to 28, and that's basically all she wrote. All right, so here we go. This is a bit off topic, uh, but do you think we have a more clear picture going into next season as to who the number one wide receiver will be? I feel like uh, this year it's been a different guy each game. Yeah, it has been a different guy each game. I mean, look, you had Burton and Bond be, being your, probably your best receivers on this game, but no, nothing really stood out from the wide receiver position in, in, in this past game. I think that really Isaiah Bond's going to still be here and he'll probably be your number one guy, but – you know, you 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 want to see con- continuous growth. Will Jalen Hale have a big big, big off season? It's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens with the wide receivers. Now you're bringing in Rico Scott, Amari Jefferson, and maybe will Ryan Williams reclassify? That's still a huge uh, huge, huge uh, big point. Uh, if if Ryan Williams reclassifies, I expect him to be on the field as uh, as soon as possible. All right, still going in the comments section. That one was from Joe Will. This one's from Wendell Hare. Bryant Denny has been as loud the past two games as I've ever heard it before. Wendell Hare, do you think that it has been that loud because of the uh, because of maybe the uncertainty that's behind this team? You're not you don't you don't have Bryce Young out there. Basically, never the ball's never hitting the ground. You know you don't have your 2016 defense you don't have your 2011 defense you don't have really the joyless murder ball that uh the Alabama fans are used to so I think the Alabama fans are starting to tap into maybe hey we can be a part of this team they do need us uh obviously the players are very very talented on in their own right but coaches talked a lot about the impact from the crowd I think they've really embraced it over the last couple of weeks like maybe we can be a part of these games uh, look, you had, what, three snap infractions from LSU. You had uh, them burn all their timeouts in the first half early. Oh, two, two of the three timeouts, excuse me, two of their three timeouts early in the game. So even though that last drive was so poor at the end of the first half, LSU only had one timeout. I do credit the Alabama fan base for uh, kind of imp- influencing the snap infractions and causing the timeouts, the miscommunications. I, I do think the Alabama fan base was so, so loud on Saturday night. Here we go. Wendell Hare is going to set up my next topic. The only difference that hit made was the score. Without that hit, Bama would have won uh, by seven instead of 14. I think that, yeah, you're exactly right. So you have the interception, sets up Alabama on a short field. Alabama goes up 42-28, and that was your final score. Jane Daniels gets the ball in the next. Let's just hypothetically, hypothetically, Jane Daniels does get the ball in the next drive. And what? A couple plays later, he is injured. He's injured, and, and LSU punts when they throw out. Uh, they throw out little Nussmeyer after the game. Max Nussmeyer, Garrett. Excuse me, Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, and, and so look, you have the injury. Dallas Turner's hit. Let's break it down just a little bit. All right. So you're one on one. Dallas Turner cuts inside the tackle and has a direct path to the quarterback. Was it roughing the passer? Yes, it was roughing the passer, in my opinion, because not the timing. I mean, Jaden Daniels had just released the ball. The timing was bang, bang, play. Uh, Dallas Turner stuck his face mask, his face mask right in the sternum of Jaden Daniels, and he did land right on top of him. 
Uh, Coach Saban uh, acknowledged it as much. Anytime there's contact to the head, then uh, for a quarterback, that should be roughing the passer. They kind of changed and amended that rule uh, this year. And so we've seen a couple of soft calls. Uh, that was, by definition, roughing the passer. You got contact to the quarterback's head. When you stick your face in the sternum of another man, the top of your head is very likely to hit uh, his chin his chin, his, his his mouth, that area, and that's exactly what it what happened on that hit. Now, he did land right on Jaden Daniels, uh, and that's not a part of the rule in college football. It is definitely an aspect of the rule in the NFL, and think, I think a lot of people were getting that confused. Oh, you landed right on him. You drove him into the ground. Now, did it make it look worse? Yes, it did. The problem was the issue with driving him into the ground or landing him, landing right on him. Jaden Daniels had no room for his head to recoil when the back of his head hit the ground. Uh, there was no place for it to recoil. Uh, uh, Dallas Turner was right on top of him. And, and therefore, you know, the, the, the reason you get a concussion is the brain uh, bounces around the, off, the, off the walls of your skull. Uh, bounces around off the walls of your skull, and thus there's you have a concussion. Uh, when your skull can kind of move around with it, if you're watching me on YouTube and Facebook, you can kind of see this visually. If not, you just have to imagine it. When your ball, when, when the back of your head hits the ground, the ability to kind of bounce your head back forward uh, mitigates the concussion risk a little bit. With Dallas Turner being right on top of him, there was no room for Jaden Daniels' face and head to bounce off the back of the turf, and thus his brain scrambled around. Um, uh, inside his skull so boom you do have the injury there and does it stink yes because the game was pretty much over at that point and I'll tell you guys if you watch to me any at any point you know I like close games but the game was pretty much over at that point uh, so yeah it did stink to have LSU's kind of hopes uh, be dashed right there in that moment but yeah it, it window hairs commenting it was a good football play it was not a dirty play it was absolutely it was absolutely roughing the passer, sure, by definition of the law. And did it get marked off as such? Yes, it did. Let me remind you, he did get a flag for roughing the passer. Now, the other aspect that I think a lot of people are missing, a lot of people who watch it at home, and maybe a lot of people who were in the stadium not aware of things, uh, they said, why didn't they review it for targeting? Well, Brian Kelly, after the game, was asked that exact moment or asked that exact question. And Coach uh, Coach Kelly acknowledged to the reporters, I was not in the Saban press conference this week. I was in the Coach Kelly press conference. He acknowledged us, acknowledged to us that the officials said they were reviewing him up in the booth for targeting. Just because Gary Danielson and Brad Nessler, just because Gary and Brad don't say so and say as much on the on the television broadcast, doesn't mean it's not happening. Maybe they didn't get the memo. Maybe it wasn't passed along to them. They didn't realize it, so it wasn't reviewed for targeting uh, according to the CBS folks. Why they, uh, they didn't say so, but it was reviewed in the booth, and the booth decided it was not targeting. Now. Let's just put my objectivity glasses on for just a moment. If it weren't called targeting, I wouldn't have cried that much. I wouldn't have complained that much. I think it was uh, close enough to where you could have made the call either way. Now, uh, was it obvious uh, like Bryce Young taking the headshot against Tennessee last year? No, it wasn't that obvious. His face, he hits him face up, face up right in the sternum. 
And yeah, is the sternum, uh, you know, maybe a little high, whatever. But it's not in the head. It wasn't a direct shot to the head or neck area. Um, and yeah, was he? Did he hit him with his helmet? Yeah, but it was with face up. Um, look, I think that it was a fine play. I think that they, the officials really did get it correct with their, uh, oh, this is rough to the passer, mark off 15 yards. The unfortunate aspect of it was that uh, Jaden Daniels got hurt. No, look, you don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get hurt, whether they're wearing Alabama uniforms, LSU uniforms, Auburn uniforms, Tennessee uniforms, even uh, Green Bay Packer uniforms. Yeah, I I don't want anybody to get hurt. Football is a dangerous game. It's part of it. I was uh, I had a couple major injuries in my average football career. Football, if you play football long enough, the injury rate is basically 100%. So it stinks that Jaden Daniels got hurt. Absolutely. And it stinks for the fa- for the for the neutral fan uh to see Jaden Daniels go out of that game. Garrett Nussmeyer is gonna be an okay quarterback, but he's nothing, nothing like Jaden Daniels, and nothing he has nothing. Uh, he, he doesn't hold a candle to his skill set, both athletically and his understanding of the offense. Uh so so does it does it stink from a neutral perspective or an I love football perspective that he got hurt? Yes, it does. But I'm fairly in the camp that the officials didn't really affect the outcome of the game. Okay, let's just say it was targeting. Let's go back and say it was targeting. If it's targeting, if it's targeting, you throw out, you're throwing out uh, Dallas Turner. All right, he's off the field. You throw him out, and that stinks. Uh, but Jaden Daniels is still hurt. Jaden Daniels is still in concussion protocol. Uh, and so you throw out you throw out Quandarius Robinson to replace Dallas Turner, and you keep playing the game. LSU is still down 14 points. You're still down 14 points. Uh, and, and, and Gary Nussmeyer, are you leading LSU back? Is the defense going to get their stops and give you an opportunity to be back in the game? I think that's very unlikely. I think that what you see happen with Garrett with Garrett Nussmeyer didn't change. Uh, it doesn't change whether Dallas Turner is in the game or not. Uh, yes, Dallas Turner is a menace, and yes, there's only 14 minutes left in the game, and, and Dallas Turner is held to block off the edge. But let's say he's sitting on the sidelines because he's been thrown out of the game for targeting. I don't see Garrett Nussmeyer really even. I don't see them keeping up the, uh, the same intensity. I don't see them being as dangerous, near as dangerous, uh, near as dangerous offensively with Garrett Nussmeyer. Yeah, you're going to see a little more of Logan Diggs, but you can't run the football that much based on the fact that you're down 14 points and the clock is waning. The clock is dwindling. I think that really people want to be upset about something when they lose. Uh, and, 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 you know, LSU, you played a good game. Just like Brian Kelly said to us in the press room, you played good. We played good. Good is not good enough when you play a top 10 team on the road. That was that was kind of his the synopsis of his comments. We played good. We just made too many mistakes. We made too many mistakes that cost us the game. Your pre-snap penalties, three pre-snap penalties. You're holding on the uh second drive of the uh, second drive of uh, of the second half that set LSU back into second and 17. Your interception, sure. Not necessarily Jaden Daniels' fault. Ball gets tipped up in the air, uh, and, and Terry Auto makes it makes a big play. Great, but those details, those little moments, are what it takes to compete with a top level team. Alabama, we've been there before. Think back, second week of the season. Are, do you play good? I think Alabama played pretty good against Texas, but you didn't play elite. You didn't play elite. You threw two bad interceptions that set up the the, the, the Texas offense in their own in their own red zone. What happened? 
with Alabama LSU. Jane Daniels throws an interception, and Alabama set up in the red zone. The field is flipped. Alabama cashes in. Coach Saban's talked all year long that turnovers are worth three and a half points. If you can get on the high side of that three and a half points, I'm sorry. I don't think the game was inherently changed with the Jaden Daniels hip, with the injury. I don't think that even if the officials had called it targeting, I don't think that even if the officials had called it targeting, that the outcome would have been any different. So does it stink to have a huge controversial play? Yes, it does. You don't want uh, you don't want the visitors, you don't want the losers to have something to hang their hats on like, oh, if you would have hit that targeting call, we would have been – I don't think that would have changed the, the game. If you would have had the, uh, the horse caller call at the end of the first half, it didn't change the game because LSU scored a touchdown anyways. Look. He ended up – Alabama lost Jalen Key in the game. Alabama lost Deontay Lawson in the game. I don't know if you even noticed it, but Alabama lost to Corey Brooks in the game. Uh, so there were injuries on the Alabama side as well. And if had if it had been Jalen Milrow uh, getting injured and Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner were out there, it would have changed the game for Alabama, even if you call targeting or not on the hypothetical LSU defender. The biggest problem. For the LSU Tigers, they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run at all. Alabama with 288 rushing yards on the game. On the game, we already outlined who did what. Jalen Miller, 155. Uh, Jace McClellan with 60 plus. Jam Miller with 14, 15 plus. Roy Dell with 50, 50, 60 plus. Like you couldn't stop the run to save your life. The Alabama offensive line bullied you throughout the entire night. And yeah, Caden Proctor, you gave up the first sack of the day. You gave up the only sack of the day to Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins gets, he's on scholarship too. You end up throwing, you know, Will Reichert, you miss two field goals. You know what? It just stinks sometimes. That's what happens. If Will Reichert makes those field goals, you go up 17-7, you go up 45-28. I mean, the last field goal, not necessarily that important. But the outcome is pretty much shielded by the interception. The interception uh, right at the end of the third quarter sets up Alabama right in their own red zone. Alabama's been running their tails off, rushing the ball all game long, hitting LSU in the face all game long. It doesn't, I mean, look, does it stink? 100% it stinks. I want to see Jaden Daniels back out on the field this weekend if he can clear concussion protocol. He's a great player. I want to see all kinds of great players. It makes college football better. The challenge, the anxiety that I felt in the Brian and Steady press box that you felt watching it wherever you watched was all created by Jaden Daniels' special ability. I really think that the interception mattered a whole lot more than the Dallas Turner hit. And really, even if the officials had called it targeting and taken Dallas Turner out of the game, I don't think that it would have changed the outcome at all, at all, because... I really think that the drive earlier going up two scores was uh, was much more important. Now, do you want to call Dallas Turner dirty? I don't agree with that assessment. I don't agree with that assessment. Wendell Hare commented, uh, commented earlier uh, it was a good football play. I do think it's a good football play. I think that really it was, you know, it's one of those unfortunate things where you take a hard hit and you're hurt. Um, I don't think it's a dirty play, but if you want to sit over there and say Dallas Turner is dirty, I'm probably not going to change your mind. And so I'm not even going to try Dallas Turner. What I will say is this Dallas Turner has been a part of a lot of big time game changing plays uh, throughout the whole year. He has the end of the end of the game sack against Arkansas. He has an end of the game sack against Tennessee. He makes the uh, tip ball play against LSU. 
Uh, look, I know we all love Will Anderson, and Will Anderson, great, 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 great player. But I think that Dallas Turner this year is having uh, a year that is in the Will Anderson kind of a kind of a class in the Will Anderson company. Uh, so I'm really, uh, really proud of him so far this year, and I think that uh, he's been just a joy to watch. Really, a joy to watch. All right, so we're going to keep it rolling here. I got Will Reichert on my sheet and uh yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Brian Kelly real quick. The biggest problem uh, for me was was Brian Kelly throwing Jaden Daniels back out on the field after the hit. He throws him out there back uh, back on the field after the hit and he stands there, he stands there, he stands there, then he ends up taking a timeout. Taking the timeout, Jaden Daniels goes into the tent again, and we never see him again. Brian Kelly was going to throw his ass back out there and just ride or die with the concussed Jaden Daniels. And come on, Brian Kelly, that ain't right. That's not right at all. Uh, I think that he is, uh, look, I think Brian Kelly is a very good coach as far as X's and O's and organizationally speaking and attention to details. But Brian Kelly has shown to make questionable unfortunate decisions when it comes to player safety, personnel safety, uh, staff safety uh, throughout the, his entire time as a college football coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Wendell Harris says it again, Brian Kelly needs to stop throwing his players under the bus. He basically, in postgame, we got to play better. We got to play better. We got to play better. He only a couple of times said we got to coach better. Uh, he was asked about Jalen Milrow. He was asked about Jalen Milrow's running ability, and he says, oh, well, we had several calls that the players did not communicate, did not get uh, this we uh, that would have stopped Jalen Milrow's running ability. He said we had a couple of calls that would have had defensive ends looping around right into where Jalen Milrow scrambled, but the call was not uh, communicated well on the field. So, yeah. Brian Kelly, I do think he's a good X's and O's coach. I do think that he's a good organizational coach. And I do think, you know, he's a good recruiter, but good gracious, he makes some interesting personnel choices. Throwing Jane Daniels back out there on the field, uh, I guess is like one of the worst, no, is one of the least bad things. When you have a, uh, a videographer death on your record, yeah, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Puts him up there in a big old crane lift, and the crane lift is up there in a storm, I believe, is, is the way that goes. you got to keep your people safe, first and foremost. If Jaden Daniels had taken a, another hit in that game, already concussed, and, and granted, I think Jaden would have probably tried his butt off to keep playing. If Jaden takes another hit from Dallas Turner, from Justin Aboigby, from Jaheim Otis, from man, just, just pick your poison, pick your player, pick your Alabama defender. If he takes another hit in that game after the uh, Dallas Turner hit, I'm sorry, that, that would be, uh, you'd be in dangerous territory. You'd be in very dangerous territory, in my opinion. And I'm not a head expert. I'm not a doctor. I do watch a lot of football. I have a, a decent experience with concussions. I just, oh gosh, you put Jaden Daniels in serious risk right there. And you're lucky that Jaden took a timeout. Uh, I guess you're probably thinking, damn, why'd you take one of my timeouts? But uh, you got to play player safety first. You're playing Texas A&M. You're playing, what, Florida? Uh, the rest of the season, yeah, the rest of the season is more important than the last 14 minutes of that Alabama game when your player is clearly not, uh, not operating at his best self. And yes, I do admire toughness. I admire playing through injury. Yes, I do. I think that's a great, uh, great quality to have. But you don't mess with the brain. 
brain. You don't mess with the head. You don't mess with someone's thoughts and someone's future in that way. Am I going to be limping around when I'm 50 because of knee injuries? Sure, but I will still have my uh, my brain. I will still have my thoughts and uh, ideally everything, you know, all the important parts will be there. I'll be able to communicate with my uh, with my family, with my friends, and hopefully with you guys. Yeah, may I limp around a little bit because of knee injury? Okay, yes. And maybe I push through it a couple of different times? Okay, yes. But you can't push somebody through a head injury. Uh, Brian Kelly, shame on you. Shame on you for that. What else do you want to talk about today? Ooh, Jalen J- Key. Uh, Christian Story, Malachi Moore, already t- kind of talked about that. Will Riker misses his first two kicks of the season. And look, you know it was bound to happen eventually, mathematically speaking. Uh, just a tough, tough time. Uh, really, the first kick, much more important than the second kick. Would have put you up 17-7. Uh, look, where there's no time to talk about Will Riker. Yo, let's make a change. ABC, no way. Obviously, in Riker, you trust. Uh, but just an unusual thing, a little bit of a surprising thing, kind of already had my field goal tweets, uh, already written out. And when he missed them, I was like, Oh, that's a unfortunate thing. That's a surprising thing. I don't think that this is going to be a problem going forward. Um, you know, it's just the first week of November. It's just November. The, the weather changes. The atmosphere changes a little bit. Kicking changes just a little bit. He made all his extra points. I think that Will Riker is going to be A-OK and just fine. There's not going to be anybody any tougher on themselves than Will Riker this past weekend. Missing those kicks. He's going to figure out why. Uh, he's going to figure figure out why. <laughs> My man, Wendell Hare. You know Bama football is good once the kicker misses a few field goals. That's exactly right. Coach Saban talking about this being the most complete game that they played and I know a lot of people didn't feel like it was a shootout but for a long time it was back and forth it was a shootout yes the last quarter was kind of all Alabama that fourth quarter Alabama Anaconda had them choked out fully and uh yeah it was a lot of fun to be down there coach Saban was very happy with the win uh and look Alabama as we kind of put a put a wrap on it Alabama has got to put it behind them quickly yeah Kentucky is not that good of a football team they're in my middle tier of the Alabama Central SEC power rankings but Kentucky is good enough to challenge you especially at home Kentucky is good enough to uh put some fear into you if you're not playing up to snuff if you're not playing to the best of your abilities 11 a.m game this weekend over in Lexington Alabama's gonna have to put the, put it behind them fairly quickly look I know that uh, the last three games that are on the Alabama schedule can at Kentucky UTC at home and at Auburn don't necessarily look very scary from a from an analyst perspective but I think at Kentucky is not gonna be the easiest uh, I do think Alabama is gonna win pretty comfortably but if Alabama walks in sleepwalks 11 a.m kickoff if Alabama has a lot of uh to penalties you go back to the very beginning to earlier in the conversation if you have turnovers if you're not awake you're not ready to play. I mean, Alabama did not really play that well against Arkansas at 11 a.m. here at home. Yes, you had homecoming festivities that uh, made it might have distracted things a little bit more as well. But the Alabama did not play very well against Arkansas. You took a three-point win. You sleptwalked through that game. You can't really sleepwalk against Big Blue Nation. You want to go ahead and wrap up the SEC West. You wrap up the SEC West with one more SEC win. You want to go ahead and get it on Saturday because, as Malachi Moore said on Monday or on today over in the Nailstone Media Room, that uh, he said we we have no more. Uh, mulligans. We, we're basically playing an elimination game every single week after losing to uh, losing to Texas. 
Hopefully the guys uh, take that to heart. Hopefully the guys take that to heart, go out and handle their business against Kentucky. Because if they're focused, if they're focused and if they're playing well, it will not be that close of a game. It won't be. Uh, and so, uh, look, and, and UTC, UTC won't be a close game, even if you're playing uh, K-Dot Carruth, uh at quarterback. If you want to go ahead and give Dylan Lonigan the start, whoever, uh, it's going to be a pretty much of a cakewalk beating down the mocks. But last week of the year at Auburn is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. Look, uh, Auburn won two in a row. You can make fun of their struggle win against Vanderbilt if you want to. You can make fun of them beating Mississippi State if you want to. But two wins in a row gives any team confidence. Uh, and I do think that the Iron Bowl down there on the plane, look, it'll be their Super Bowl. They'll be fighting. They'll probably be, probably be fighting for bowl eligibility. It's going to be their Super Bowl. And they're going to be wanting to ruin an Alabama season. So the last three weeks for Alabama football are not going to be easy, even if, well, UTC will be. But the schedule uh, is still going to be one that Alabama needs to take, uh, take seriously. All right, let's get out of here for the day and set up the evening. I'm going over to Coleman Coliseum. I'm going over to Coleman Coliseum, Alabama women. The women's basketball is tipping off against Alabama State at 4.30. And then Alabama men is playing Moorhead State, I believe, at 7. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be over there for Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at JoeGaither6 and on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok, all that stuff at JoeGaither6. Send me your comments, your questions, queries, and complaints right there. Tomorrow, we're going to be hearing from Brian Pastnick. We'll hear from Brian Pastnick to talk about Alabama basketball, their season opening game tonight with uh, Moorhead State, how they looked, and uh, hopefully it comes out to a pretty comfortable win. I think Ken Palm has Alabama as a 17, 18-point favorite right now uh, for the game tonight. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Alabama basketball starts tonight. We'll hear from Brian Pastnick tomorrow on the program. We'll hear from LaRon McLean on the program as well. Look, if you read my Julian Sand piece on Saturday and you want to hear more, you can subscribe to the program right here at Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon. That conversation is on all those uh, all those uh, podcast outlets. You can check out my quick conversation with Julian Sand. It's about 15, 16 minutes. It's on the podcast outlets on Spotify, Amazon. Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon as well. So you should go ahead and hit a subscribe button. You can hear those bonuses and hear that conversation with Julian Sayam. He talked about the Alabama LSU game. He talked about uh, early enrolling. He talked about guys that he's still recruiting for Alabama in this 2024 class. It was a great time hearing from Julian Sayan. Uh, and they're going to they're going into their uh, their open division playoffs this weekend. And he talks a little bit about that as well. So for you guys, I appreciate everybody watching us. Wendell Hare, thanks so much for commenting. Joe Will, thanks so much for commenting. You can always comment on the program live at Joe Gaither Six on the Facebook machine or posting post game comment. Leave your comments. I'll always see them as well right there at. Joe Gaither 6 on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, wherever you can get the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com.